Welcome to the Nintendo Fusion Podcast, a podcast that fuses past, present, and future Nintendo thought. I'm David, accompanied by my friend Jordan. Today we're going to be talking about Pokemon Legends Arceus. I refuse to say Arceus. Yeah, that's it, it's interesting. You got both sides of the fandom that say that because apparently the anime has used both. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just a Pokemon boomer and back and forth. Jenna was Arceus and even the anime was saying that. And I guess they wanted to change it for at least for the English speakers because it sounds uh Naughty. Well, well, I'll not get into it. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, as far as I understand it, the Japanese actually has the hard K. So, or the no, no, no. Sorry, no, no, no. I meant to say the soft C, like the S sound. So, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of the problem that you run into is like the Japanese way. There's only one way because of how it's actually written out. But English is weird and different combinations of letters make different sounds depending on where they're put. So anyway, we don't we don't need to sit and talk about the pronunciation of Arceus <laughs> the whole episode. Just know that Jordan and I will probably be saying Arceus more than Arceus. So big brain strats should just be do it interchangeably. Every time you say Arceus, the next time you say Arceus, which just <laughs> confuse people. Just have like a, a counter, like a switch on our <laughs> monitors or something. Okay, you said Arceus. Anyway, uh. But yeah, we're, we're talking about the new game that came out literally a few days ago. Uh, we've been playing it quite a bit and we're really excited to talk about it here. Uh, to start off the conversation, though, we wanted to kind of briefly mention like where the series has been. We know that there are a lot of people that are looking at the game and thinking, wow, I haven't played Pokemon in years and years. Is it worth picking up? And I mean, Jordan, you want to give them the news? <laughs> How Pokemon's been? <laughs> so how Pokemon's been? Uh, I don't think there's been a good Pokemon game since Sun and Moon, honestly. Um, I was not a huge fan of Let's Go. Sword and Shield felt like it really dropped the ball. I don't even remember any other games. <laughs> <laughs> well, there there aren't really that many, but from Sun, you had Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Then you had yeah, Let's Go. Everyone like... hated Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon too. Everyone hated Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon so much that they retroactively decided they all hated Moon and Sun and Moon. Yeah, but Sun and Moon were actually really good. And I personally think that Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon are the better experience if you haven't played any of them, simply because I think it's the more complete story and there's a lot more to do in the game. But I I mean, I totally understand where the fandom was coming from. Like, we just had Sun and Moon and then Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon were the exact same games, but with like added dialogue, basically. You still had the same super long introduction. And honestly, it felt like it could have just been a DLC pack. It should have just been a free DLC patch. <laughs> yeah. If, if it was on any other console, that would have that, that would not have flown. Yeah, but it did. <laughs> and that, that's what we ended up with. Um, but yeah, and what was really cool about Sun and Moon, though, was that was like the first dive into actual 3D environments for the game. So that felt that felt nice, in my opinion. So I mean, like uh, X and Y were 3D. Yeah, but it was still wholly grid based. Yeah. You know, sure, you could move more freely, but everything was definitely designed around the grid, except for is the name of the town Lumio City, the big one with the Eiffel Tower. Um, that remember. one that one just was, a it was huge still loop. kind of a grid. It was just a circular grid. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, you know, the Pokemon games have been very formulaic even since generation one. Um, different generations have added new things built on top of it, but very formulaic. You get your starter, you go off on a journey to defeat all the gym badges or whatever the region's equivalent is in the case of Sun and Moon. 
and then you eventually become the champion. And on the way, you stop some sort of crazy evil from destroying the world or region or even the universe in some games. And yeah, then you get to your post game and you just keep battling and catching Pokemon. Nothing's really, really changed. And a lot of that formulaic process of Pokemon has kept a lot of fans from returning to the series for a long time. Well, it feels like everyone kind of returned for Sword and Shield because they were expecting things to change. And then they realized things did not change. Plus, the Switch was such a different system. You know, it was a home console. Plus, it was handheld. You know, the 3DS sold more than the Switch at that point. But at that point, it's not true anymore. Right. (laughs) With that Sword and Shield. Um, But all that's kind of changed with the new game. And spoiler alert, if you haven't played Pokemon since you were little, this is a pretty good game to get back into it. Um, Let's start talking about Legends Arceus. What do you think? I am very, very surprised if if you've like we're only on episode seven and up till now, I've, I've probably complained multiple times about how I was not I did not have high expectations for this game. <laughs> like, <laughs> the marketing made it just look like they were hiding something. It looked like the gameplay loop was pretty weak. They it they the first they like made it look like it was going to be open world. And they're like, oh, actually, it's not open world. And to be fair. It's not open world, but after they said it's not open world, everyone thought it was going to be Monster Hunter and like mission based structure. And when I finally got the game, it was fine. It was good. It was enjoyable. It was. Yeah, it's not truly open world, but it it still like scratches the same itch that open world does. It's not like Monster Hunter, like people keep claiming it is. The people who say that it's like Monster Hunter, I'm not convinced to actually play Monster Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) because <laughs> this is a lot more open than monster hunter is monster hunter you'll go to the mission you select you, you go to town you select a mission you go to the world or to the the sub area the sub area is completely like tuned specifically to that mission and then you go back and this one you get like a, a list of uh side quests and you could do them if you want you could do the main story and yeah like all the areas are you got like f- four to five uh open world areas but they're they're pretty large in size you're not going to explore the entire map every outing that you leave the the village yeah absolutely like i really was surprised at how big each area is in this game seriously like yeah it's not high rule from breath of the wild but that that's a really hard thing to reach but there are so many things to do in these areas and different places to go. And because of some of the way that the game is structured, some of the areas are actually locked off so that they expect you to come back later. You know, they're separated by rivers and spoiler alert, you can't swim in the game, even though that's kind of a funny thing to do in an open world game is to try swimming for the first time and see if you can or not. Anyway, um, you eventually get the ability to cross those rivers and then you find out, oh, the Pokemon are higher level over here. Or regions that are beyond the so-called or somewhat intentional path have higher level Pokemon or evolved Pokemon or whatever. And it's just, it is totally different every time you go there. And it's a really awesome feeling. I got lost in the first area. Like I spent several hours in the first area, just filling out my Pokedex and not progressing the story because I could. And I still haven't explored the whole thing. I you know, I know that it's a good open world experience when I avoid the main storyline. Yeah. <laughs> and that's been the case with this game. Absolutely. Like, same here. 
<laughs> I'm still like exploring more of like the first area. Like I've, I've unlocked up to, I believe the fourth area. Yep. That's about um, where I am as well. But I, I still want to like kind of complete the first area before I like move on. I will say they, while they did try to like block a lot of things off to try and have some linear guidance, um, it is still pretty easy to like break your way to other areas that you're kind of not supposed to get to. Yeah, like especially if, with Weird Ear and his jumping. Yeah, Weird, Weird Ear. They, <laughs> Game Freak went to Bethesda and asked for their horse physics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> you, you could climb anything with that, just like a Skyrim horse. Um, I mean, there is a limit. If it's too high, you can't quite jump and reach. But like, I don't know. I haven't found any like mountain I can't climb yet. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I was, but yeah, I I had the same thought. I was just riding around on on this uh, deer, and I was like, wait a minute, I can jump up to that ledge. Oh, I can go much higher than that. Honestly, I think Weirder might be a faster climber than the like dedicated climber. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) probably. Anyway. Uh, it, it's so fun, though. The world is just it's so good. It's like they actually talked to Monolith Soft and the Breath of the Wild team and took some pointers on how to actually generate a an interesting environment, at least, you know, like, sure, it's mostly catching Pokemon and collecting items that are on the ground and all that kind of stuff. There aren't really any villages or anything for you to go explore and talk to people in. I mean, there are a couple, but that's beside the point. It's just it's incredible how different areas actually feel unique and feel very much alive, especially with the Pokemon you can find in them. It, it's really well done. Speaking of Monster Hunter, when Monster Hunter inevitably does go open world, I would be pretty happy if they at least did what Pokemon Arceus is doing. So I, I think Arceus is kind of like the middle ground between Monster Hunter and full open world. Yeah, I I think that that's a fair statement there. <laughs> It's got the the elements that make open worlds really fun to explore, but then it has this kind of self-confined areas so that you're not overwhelmed necessarily with choice. Well, it helps with uh, progression. We're yeah. starting to see a lot of open world games kind of move in this direction. Um, they already said for the Sonic Frontiers that it's going to be open zone, as they say, which will be basically this way. Um, Halo Infinite last month was basically this way as well. Um, where it was just a bunch of zones. Now, Halo Infinite, you could still like see the other zones from whatever zone you're at, but you technically they they put a lot of effort in trying making sure that you stuck to your like designated zone until you mm. unlock the next zone. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's the right way to go. Honestly, um, it there are a lot of games that really do benefit from the open world style. Um, Breath of the Wild, in a lot of ways, needed it because you were kind of alone in the area and Link didn't have any memories. And so many people were just gone from the world that it made sense for him to just kind of go off in a direction and explore. Um, But in the case of this like Pokemon game, it makes a lot of sense to kind of follow this progression. So I I think it works really well in that regard, for sure. I think it mostly comes down to what is the core like purpose of your gameplay loop yeah so with like breath of the wild it's exploration it's finding new things it's playing in a sandbox in halo it's a bit more story focused in and like focusing on kind of like kind of like halo-esque missions but in an open world style and pokemon it's about finding pokemon to catch and like everything's leveled so you kind of want to follow this kind of level curve of pokemon you encounter 
Right. You don't have levels in Breath of the Wild. Like no. a, a Bakoblin in one area is going to be the same difficulty in the next area. And sometimes they'll like up, they can easily upscale throughout the entire world. Like, oh, you've beaten this many divine beasts. We'll now make them like blue bak- Bakoblins or whatever. Right. Make but, those far more common than the reds or the silver. Yeah. But Breath of the Wild, it's kind of a flatter curve across the world in its mm-hmm. difficulty. And if you want kind of like a, a level of progression and guided progression, it, it works better to go with a zone area than it does right. true open world. And it also kind of fits the the theme of the game and it's like story. Um, you know, you're, you're basically on a bunch of research expeditions, checking out Pokemon and showing the people of this region that they're not that terrifying. I mean, yeah, a lot of Pokemon are terrifying, but that you can befriend them and you can, you know, find them useful and they're, they want to be living with you side by side. And so you are this researcher going out on expeditions. And as you gain experience, you start seeing the Pokemon with higher levels and you can go out to higher places. And they've basically made it clear throughout the story that you're only allowed to go to this area because you have the experience of the previous area, because we've already been there. We already know that the Pokemon there are much tougher or whatever. So it it really does fit uh, that vibe a lot more in, in, terms of the gameplay, the world design, and even the story kind of pushing you in that direction to make it feel more, um, what's the word, uh, natural and organic. Yeah. Although there are some things that I don't think work because like, so they also try to do that same like logic of like flavor over um, function uh, where basically because you're from a different world, you have the ability to handle more than one Pokemon at a time or like up to six and like they, there is a character that says it's basically unheard of to ever like <laughs> see someone with six Pokemon. Um, and you go into like the game and every trainer just has one Pokemon. And as you like have like a team of six, eventually your rivals are like, Oh, I guess we can try to expand on more Pokemon. And like from a flavor perspective, that makes a lot of sense from a function perspective. It makes trainer battles really boring. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, you are in this ancient era and it, you know, they're learning more about Pokemon and Pokemon battles. So, yeah. And it's because like the clans are more focused on like creating personal bonds with Pokemon, whereas uh, Team Galaxy has like these um, brain controlling balls now. And that's kind of a relatively new technology that only Team Galaxy has and all these other groups do not. Right. But yeah, uh, kind of moving on to like some of this other parts of our list, you know, we've kind of talked about this general vibe and how the world feels and stuff. Why don't we kind of focus in a little bit on like gameplay portions itself? Um, I just want to point out that one of the main mechanics of this game is catching a lot of Pokemon and it is really fun and rewarding. <laughs> don't you think? I think the only reason why it's fun and rewarding is because of how fast it is. This game moves so fast compared to Pokemon before. Whereas before you would like have to walk into a piece of patch of grass and then like waddle back and forth until a Pokemon randomly decides to attack you. And then, oh no, it's the Pokemon you're not looking for. So I got to hit like the run button. We got all (laughs) this like animation and like text and it just, everything grinds to a halt. And then in this game, it's like, oh, hey, look, there's the Rattata I'm looking for way over there. I'm just going to chuck a ball. I'm not even going to walk over there. I just have a bunch of feather balls on me. (laughs) Just get really good at aiming that and just let her fly. 
Yeah. Like <laughs> it's so fun to just be like running as fast as you can and just throwing balls without stopping to, at all. <laughs> like you can just keep running and just like, if you catch it, then you catch it. And if you don't, then whatever, just move on to the next Pokemon. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think that the, the whole like fast catching thing is like also part of another thing that makes the game great. And it's that the game really tries to keep you out of menus as long as possible. You know, you only have to go into menus when you absolutely need to, you know, checking on your Pokemon, checking your items for crafting, whatever. When you're actually sitting down and playing the game, throw a Pokeball. Boom, you're done. If you enter a battle, it's just throw your Pokemon. The battle starts. You get a little bit of flourish and the Pokemon cries. And then you can still run around and move in the same open world and then choose to fight or choose to use an item or choose to swap your Pokemon or whatever. And it's still fluid. You don't get that transition to a pocket dimension where you do your battle. <laughs> like, you know, there, there is a battle menu, but it's way more fluid and responsive than the menus in past Pokemon games. Yeah. Speaking of the combat, um, there's been a lot of I, I don't know if it's like pushback. Oh, there's been a larger voice than normal that people want Pokemon to move away from turn base. And I'm in disagreement. I personally like Pokemon being turn based. I do, too. Um, just making that clear. So I, I don't agree with a lot of these other people, but I don't know. Um, was agile and strong style like enough of a shakeup for what this is? Uh, I because it's kind of just the same battle system, right? It's just that speed is now it, it went from being the most important stat to, oh, my gosh, this is way more important than every other stat times uh, like 20. <laughs> right, because you need it to be high so that you can have a higher frequency of actually using moves. <laughs> so in a balancing perspective, I think I think what they did, uh, it, it needs a bit more tweaking. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Speed is way too good now. Well, and speaking of that with the battle mechanics, whatever formula they're using for damage calculation seems to have some monstrous weighting parameter so that if it's a Pokemon dealing damage to you, you take way more than it yeah. would if you were dealing damage to something else. Personally, I like it. Like, because I'm catching like these level 60 alpha Pokemon and then throwing them out. And it's like, ha, it's like two level 30s. And then they like do like agile, quick attack, quick attack. And then like thunder, like wave me. And then I'm like, oh, oh, there goes my health. I'm almost <laughs> dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's happened way too many times. Like. And it, I think it's a great way to balance the game for sure, but it's definitely not what I was expecting. You know, throwing out a level 40 against a level 20 and you're still taking huge damage is it's nuts. I guess it kind of goes to show how wild the world is and how powerful Pokemon really are or whatever. It's nice that like so they didn't make leveling up Pokemon completely useless. Right. But you don't just like stomp everything by leveling up. You can't you, you still can overgrind for whatever reason or whatever right yeah but you still can get into situations where you kind of are in danger and pokemon are just going to faint like yep. nuzlocking this is going to be difficult challenge runs are going to be very challenging in arceus i agree i i absolutely agree with that and like it's <laughs> that just reminded me of uh what happened to me once um i was in the second area and it was foggy or misty, uh, whichever the two is. And <laughs> misty is kind of dumb because they don't tell you what the weather actually does at all anywhere in the game. And what it actually does is it makes it so that you 
uh, have an accuracy drop permanently every time you fight in a battle. And I was doing the quest to set up the campsite in the second area. And you have to fight against a bunch of uh, stunkies. And there were three of them. And I almost like lost my entire team to that battle because I couldn't hit anything because it just so happened that it was foggy. And I was like, OK, this is this is great. I, I wasn't expecting to lose against a bunch of stunkies, which also brings up an inter- another interesting point that it is so fun that multiple Pokemon can challenge you at once and that you can fight them yeah. all if you want to. It's way yeah. more realistic. Um, and in fact, you can get into weird positions where you're like trying to stalk stalk an alpha and then a uh, smaller one attacks you from behind. And you, so, so you have to like go into combat, but then the alpha's right there. So now you have to fight two on one instead of just one v oneing the alpha. Right. Uh, which has happened a few times for me. Yeah. Um, oh, it's especially hard in like the hordes because <laughs> the hordes yeah. can spawn alphas and then you've got five Pokemon attacking oh, you and you're just like, OK, I'm, I'm out. I went into a horn, horde of uh, Yon Megas and they were all clustered so close together. I swear there was like seven of them. <laughs> it, was, it was so hard to just like get out of the middle of it and you really wanted to catch them because they're yon megas and you love your bugs yeah oh yeah oh this is this is a bug catcher's dream they gave me a freaking eight foot tall cricket tune at the beginning of the game <laughs> yeah it's i was great. never not that the Ian pokemon made me so much happier than that yeah, alpha pokemon are so fun to just have um alpha pokemon are much higher level than other Pokemon in the area. But the other cool thing is that their height and their weight are as maxed out as they can get internally in the game's data. And on top of that, the visuals are a 2.5 multiplier to that biggest height. So if you had, you know, a weasel that you just caught in the wild, that just so happened to get the best possible height, it would still look small next to the alpha because that alpha has that 2.5 times visual modifier to it. It's awesome. My 10 foot tall Heracross is the best Pokemon to ever exist. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Which I was pretty lucky on that. I just randomly like came across this alpha Heracross and um, it was just wrecking me because it was level 45 and my entire team was level 20. Uh-huh. And I threw up my little tiny Drifblim or Drifloon. It was just a Drifloon at the time. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to lose this fight. And then the Heracross couldn't hit it because the Heracross <laughs> only had normal type moves. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> And see, the funniest alpha catch that I got, you know, just a total tangent here was like I was just in the first area wandering around on, I think, my second trip through. I had some wing balls and I was like, hey, there's a magic carp out there in the river. I hadn't even like really taken a good look at it. I was like, I bet I could hit it with one of these feather balls. (laughs) And so I launched the feather ball at it. Boom, I hit it and I was like, cool, caught it. It wasn't until much later in the game when I was going through my Pokemon after going to like the third area because I wanted to release a whole bunch because I'm like, I'm never going to use any of these. When I realized, wait a minute, that's an alpha marker next to the only Magikarp that I have. That was an <laughs> alpha Magikarp. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> anyway. Oh man, now I want an alpha uh, shiny Magikarp. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> don't don't evolve it. Just a giant golden Magikarp that's useless. That's that'd be so cool. But <laughs> anyway, like it, it's so good. Kind of wrapping up the combat system, and then we can talk about shiny Pokemon because there's a lot to talk about with shinies. Um, uh, we kind of mentioned in some of our notes here, like well, and throughout the episode that we we think it's an interesting evolution for the combat system. But there are definitely some key things that we really miss 
Now, the main turn-based system is honestly one of my favorite things about Pokemon. <laughs> I love the turn-based battle system. It makes competitive really fun. But some of the things that we noted before this episode that we really miss are abilities and items, held items, I mean. Like, I miss abilities so much. I really miss abilities. It really feels like it takes away the personality of the Pokemon yep. in combat. Yeah. <laughs> when you get rid of abilities. Honestly, I would like them to double down on abilities. Why Why make it so we only have one ability per Pokemon? Maybe like some Pokemon can have multiple abilities. Like That'd be so cool. And they don't have to be crazy complicated abilities, but yeah. it could be just, just, something like interesting. For example, Bronzor could just always have Levitate or whatever, right? And then it can actually have a different ability. Yeah, like it might get sturdy or it might get something that makes it so it can't fall asleep because it's like a hypnotizer or whatever, you know? Right. So then you get like more variety or whatever, because it, it just makes sense for Bronzor to always have levitate. It, <laughs> it why why is this Bronzor that's floating above the ground isn't actually floating beats me? <laughs> yeah, it's it's bizarre. And yeah, I mean, abilities just make the game more interesting. And that was one of the best things that they added in Gen 3. It's a mechanic yeah. that we've had for so long. And then they were just like, nah, we're not using it in this one. I mean, technically, we didn't get it in Let's Go either, but. You know, same idea, um, but also held items like I wish I could just give my Pokemon citrus berries so that when they take massive damage, they can just <laughs> eat it and heal while I'm in the middle of a fight. <laughs> well, a huge part of the strategy of team building comes from held items. Yeah, expect, you yeah. miss out on a lot. I, we also don't have this on the list, but while I do like the new quality uh, or the quality of life updates for like you can like manage moves on the fly and all that it feels like the move pools are way more restricted now per pokemon yeah i've noticed that as well you know you do get a decent number of moves to use and to choose from but because there aren't a ton that do like abilities or specifically um you know are designed for very specific things like a lot of the moves are they're just gone <laughs> yeah with the with a new with the move pools of most pokemon it's pretty easy to just get like the optimal move set with everything. Yeah, because you only really need damage moves and yeah. hypnosis or whatever its equivalent is on the Pokemon. Hypnosis is broken now, by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> I swear they because you can make it go on to strong style. And so it it's has like, a 90 percent. Right. That's what accuracy. I was about to say. 90 percent. <laughs> So that's how I catch most of my alphas now. I just have a team of like Pokemon that know hypnosis. And as soon as I land my hypnosis, it's pretty much over. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I do really miss a lot of the move pool stuff. I was honestly kind of disappointed when I was looking at the moves of my uh, Samurai after it evolved. I was like, I feel like it should know more in its move pool at this level. So. It's kind of a bummer, wow. but for how they've simplified the battle system in a lot of ways, it makes sense. But yeah, oh, man, it, it's weird because they like made it more complicated in some areas and they made it more simple in others. And I wish they didn't take away because there's no reason for abilities or held items to be gone. Right. Nothing. Nothing was added by removing those. Like, it's not like those are very complicated aspects of the battle system and both of those kind of attribute more to just, uh, I don't know, player, team building, like personality, like creativity and all that. Mm -hmm. But you can play the old Pokemon games by just completely ignoring abilities and items if if it's too complicated for you. Right, right. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just to like make designing this game because they clearly like 
either they heavily revamped the Pokemon engine for this, or it's a completely new engine. I, I suspect it's a heavily revamped. I, th- I It still feels like there's a bunch of stuff from the... Uh, what, are, what are the big open areas called in Sword and Shield? The wild area? The wild area. It feels like there's a lot borrowed from there. It well, feels like there's still a lot of mechanics borrowed from Sword and Shield. Yes. And um, from what I understand from data miners that I, you know, know... Um, I, from what I understand from them, it's not really a new engine. Um, especially since the way that Pokemon are generated in the overworld is exactly like they were generated in raid dens in sword and shield. It is the exact same system. (laughs) Anytime I hear it's generated the same as sword and shield, I get worried. (laughs) Well, worried because it's manipulable in the same way it's not fully random they progress like by advancing through a very predictable manner (laughs) so much so that literally three days after the game came out there's already discussion on uh the random number generation manipulation so that you can actually get the exact shiny that you want or whatever without having to do much so anyway (laughs) sword and shield just makes me feel like the engine for Pokemon is so spaghetti coded. Oh, like, it is. Just, it absolutely is. The only engine I can think of that might be worse that is used in AAA games is the Skyrim or the the Elder Scrolls engine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty sure the Pokemon developers at Game Freak took the literal Gen 5 engine and smashed Gen 6 on top of it. And then they jammed Gen 7 on top of that. And then they just up it for Sword and Shield and then have just been continually modifying it. And their, their tech debt is insane. Well, and that's due to their development cycle. You know, having to come out with a new game every couple of years definitely means that they can't just sit and invest new time in remaking all of their tools and engines. So I, it would not surprise me in the least if this is just Sword and Shield with new stuff. <laughs> but anyway, lots of lots of good things were added to the game in terms of the battle system, but I really do miss a lot of the older stuff that's just been staples to the series because it just made it so much more interesting. I like some of the new stuff. Yeah, I like uh, I like Frostbite. Frostbite is really <laughs> great. I think that that's good. I am not a the biggest fan of the drowsy. I kind of would prefer sleep, especially when it comes to catching Pokemon. You know, not having them be able to even hurt me <laughs> would be really nice when I'm trying to catch something that's hard <laughs> to catch. But I can see why they just did Drowsy, especially since it's different. (laughs) I like the direction of Drowsy. I don't like Sleep or Frozen. Those two abilities just were always too good, in my opinion. And Drowsy, it feels like they tried to scale things back, but because it never goes away, I don't know if it really did. Um, It's a lot like Thunder or Paralysis, Mm -hmm. but instead of uh, cutting your speed stat, you just take more damage. So I guess technically it cuts your health stat um yeah. which makes sense because like they made a, a parallel to burn with frostbite so now they're making a parallel to uh paralysis with the drowsy, with drowsy. Mm-hmm. but it feels like you hit the two drowsy to do anything more often than the paralysis yeah i i would like to see the actual rates inside the game yeah. engine i'm just going off of like my gut instinct like right. i haven't actually looked at the rates but yeah Hopefully so, it's only 25%. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and you're just seeing a lot of it because you just are noticing it because it's, it's a new thing. But anyway, uh, kind, of, kind of moving on our list here, since we've been actually talking for a long time about a lot of these gameplay changes, which is great because there's a lot of really good stuff here and a lot of things that we wish would be different. But wanted to bring up uh, a couple of other things uh, that we 
talked about before this episode that we wanted to bring up here. And that was like filling out the Pokédex in this game actually feels rewarding in a lot of ways. It's more than just like all of a sudden you catch something and boom, you have access to all of the data about it forever. You actually have to do like little missions and challenges. So you are observing the Pokemon and it's like you're actually determining like the Pokedex itself, you know? Yeah, I I still wish you got a little bit more information out of the Pokedex than you do. I've never understood like how every single time I played Sun and Moon or Sword and Shield, um, why do I have Bulbapedia open the yeah. entire time I'm playing that game. Like I should have a Pokedex, right? Right. <laughs> why, why do I have to use like a website as my Pokedex? Right. They, so. The Pokedex itself could have like the base stats, you know, even if it's not the yeah. actual numbers for the base stats, it could have little bars that show you relative sizes. So it's like, yeah, it's oh yeah, this Pokemon is definitely a special attacker or, oh, it's way better on defenses or, oh, it's better as a speed Pokemon, you know. They've got that in like Pokemon Homes Pokédex, but I feel like that would be useful information in game. <laughs> yeah. Also, like when and how to evolve it. Uh, yep. When do moves? When when do they learn moves? Although, do we know if Arceus is like based off level? Because it feels like I swear I, I haven't like confirmed this yet, but I think like there have been points where I've caught two Pokemon and they're the same level and they have different move pools. The only thing that I know of for different move pools is that. Alpha Pokemon can have quote unquote egg moves or the moves that can be taught okay. at the battle f- facility. Um, everything else, from what I understand, is level based still. So learning moves and stuff, though, okay. the game might just randomly choose different moves, maybe at the same level, though. I doubt that because they usually generate the Pokemon. And then yeah, it's just it might the have been an alpha Pokemon and a non-alpha. I was just a little confused. <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff that the game just doesn't really explained to it unless that was explained in the game i just missed it right and when do you master moves (laughs) like is that level based or do you have to use the move but then why are half of the moves that this pokemon icon in the wild why are they mastered like having information about that would be nice but the, the other cool thing about the pokedex is like while there are a ton of missions for or observations for each individual Pokemon, you only have to do like 10 of them <laughs> to get a level 10 Pokedex entry. And then the entry is marked as complete. So there are lots of different ways that you can actually fill out your Pokedex. If you're kind of like me or Jordan and you just want to zoom on by and just catch all of the ones that you can see, you're likely to actually fill out the level 10 decks because you've caught every single one of them. And most of the Pokemon are like, catch them at night. Oh, hey, they only spawn at night, really. <laughs> or, um, Catch them while they haven't noticed you. Well, if you're zooming by, they probably didn't notice you. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, so it's it's really fun. Some of the Dexes are more challenging or some of the Pokemon, but it's really quite nice. And if you do max all of those entries out, do all of the uh, quests, you get a perfect marking on that Pokedex entry. And all that really does is it increases your chances of getting a shiny for that Pokemon. But I I do also want to point out that your Pokédex is marked complete, like the full dex is completed, when every entry has reached level 10. You do not have to get perfects on every single Pokémon for it to be complete in in the eyes of the game. I don't know if you knew that, Jordan. I I did. Okay. (laughs) Just just wanted to put that out there. I didn't even know about the perfect thing, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it still says level 10, but the Pokéball is shiny, and then it says perfect. Like, it has sparkles on the Pokéball that marks it as complete. And it just makes it so your shiny goes up. Yeah. So 
Getting level 10 will give you an extra shiny roll, and then also getting perfect will give you an additional two, so you get a total of plus three shiny rolls. And for those of you that don't know how shiny rolls work, basically the game rolls a uh, 4,096-sided die every time it wants to generate a Pokemon. If that die lands on a one, for example, then it's shiny. Um, if it's not, then it's not shiny. So that's why you like very rarely see shinies, because it's a pretty low chance, one in 4,000 about. But with these shiny rolls, what it does is it rolls the dice, checks to see if it's shiny, rolls it again, checks to see if it's shiny, rolls it again, checks to see if it's shiny for however many times you can roll it. That's why we call them shiny rolls. It's like rolling a dice a certain number of times to see if it's going to be shiny. So being able to roll the dice four times for a single shiny is a really nice bonus for just being out in the wild. But that's not even like how ridiculous shiny Pokemon encounters are in this game because the mass outbreaks they have the insane property of giving you plus 30 of those rolls, meaning that even if you haven't ever seen the Pokemon before in its Pokedex, the base chance of getting a shiny for every Pokemon that spawns in the mass outbreak is one in 158. You're going to find shinies all the time if you're focused on mass outbreaks. Like I've only spent maybe an hour playing around with the mass outbreaks and I've got two shinies. It's oh, wow. It's great. <laughs> like... They are so fast, and the way to reset them is also really quick. And uh, just as a kind of plug here, I'm planning on making a post and a video about how you can actually do that chaining. So if you're interested in that, keep an eye out on our YouTube channel for that. Anyway, this game is like the shiny hunter's dream if all you care about is shinies. So that that's that with shinies. It's it's really awesome. I know a lot of people don't really care about shinies or even really know what they're for, but they're cool. Plus, Jordan, I know you love that green scissor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mostly my favorite shiny is the pink Heracross. Oh, yeah. Pink Heracross. That's a good one. Especially if you get a female one. Did you see that Cleavor shiny is green as well? Like scissor? Yeah. 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 It is cool. I really like Cleavor, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool it's Pokemon. My team. <laughs> yeah, my team right now, my team... My, the static three are Heracross, Scizor, and Cleavor, so I uh, I get a little concerned whenever a fire Pokemon shows up. But <laughs> yeah, my my team's pretty balanced. <laughs> I'm not using any of the new ones right now, <laughs> though I do have a Petlil on my team waiting for it to evolve into the new Lilligant. So, um, but anyway, I I also really like a lot of the new Pokemon forms. They're so cool. I think that Hisuian Zoroark and Zoroa are just the coolest <laughs> they look so cool <laughs> anyway um moving on here um we've kind of mentioned this um when we talked about the world but side quests are really great in this game pretty easy to to deal with i think and are a fun way to get you to go exploring and catching different pokemon that you might not have focused on yeah i wish the menu for managing your side quests was better though well the menu like, for the map in general should be better but that's yeah <laughs> <laughs> can, can i just complain about what is with Game Freak and like button mapping? Oh, it's awful. The buttons are always just in like the wrong place, I swear. Always. And then like when you switch to a rideable Pokemon, they completely switch where like different buttons are mapped to. <laughs> like <laughs> clicking down on the, the joystick should always be the run button. If that's Don't what you're going to map B. it to. <laughs> if you're going to map it initially to that, like your normal run to clicking it down, then that's where it should be for all of the ride Pokemon. But it's not. What? Why is the plus button not the start button to go to your menus? I know how many times I hit that. Why? What is wrong with Game Freak? They never put the they make they never make the start button the go to the start menu. No, 
And that's just been a thing since Gen 4. I know. <laughs> it's always driven me insane. They could have literally looked at Breath of the Wild's button mapping and been like, we will copy that because we can. <laughs> I guess technically, um, I think the Switch allows you to like remap buttons. Yes, so maybe you can. Look into that. You can. And I would probably remap plus and the up button <laughs> just for the yeah. the those ones. But anyway, uh, it's, it's just obnoxious. Um, my other big complaint about the UI, um, since we were talking about that, is there's no mini map. <laughs> yeah, it drives me crazy. <laughs> I also hate how like you can't like get rid of half the HUD. So like in the options, you can get rid of the HUD or have the HUD. And it's like I want to get rid of all the like the like sidebar stuff that's useless. But I want to keep like what Pokemon my yeah. <laughs> my uh, trigger is set to right now. Right. Let me keep my item scroller down in the bottom corner, but get rid of everything else. <laughs> yeah. If you're not going to give me a mini map, let me have only the things I need. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like sometimes Game Freak doesn't actually play their games. No. <laughs> or ask for any sort of feedback from the people that do. Which, which is hilarious because I don't know if you knew this, but the one of the lead designers for menus for Sword and Shield actually went out on Twitter in English. It was absolutely 100% him. He verified himself asking, how could we make menus better in Pokemon and got a ton of comments? And apparently they didn't really <laughs> listen to that. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it's better, you know, being able to evolve and change moves and add nicknames and stuff is really nice in this game. You can do it right in the menus, but like everything else about the displays in this game, I'm just like, why? Where's my mini map? Why are there so many icons on my screen? Anyway, it's just it's just funny. Well, we're going to be talking about gameplay all day, so let's move on to graphics. That's a good idea. You go first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did they ever update a like a trailer to make it look like the frame rate wasn't just complete garbage? Because the frame rate is (laughs) fine. You got me. (laughs) I don't think they did. I hadn't thought of that. Like, I don't know what was with the marketing of this game. Um, Stuff like grass, like just looks bad on YouTube, uh, as Arlo had pointed out. Um, The frame rate in the early trailers are so bad that people thought it was like an aesthetic choice for like the art style. (laughs) Yeah, like you could literally see a a, a chingling in the very first trailer, move frame by frame, skipping in the air. <laughs> and like, things are just fine. It's just fine. The frame rate's fine. It's like a static 30 or whatever. Yeah, there are a couple of dips if there are too many things happening, but that's like kind of standard for the Switch And like games. if things are like far out, it does the Monster Hunter thing where like they're moving at like two frames per second, but whatever. The only time I <laughs> noticed that was a Gyarados flying in the sky. <laughs> yeah. It's mostly things that are flying this guy and they do it in Monster Hunter as well. Like, so it's kind of just a switch thing. Yeah. Although I'm sure people will bring up Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild doesn't really have as many like characters on screen at a time. Right. There aren't that many entities, period, on screen. Yeah. And I don't know, the textures in Breath of the Wild are also pretty simplistic because they really dug into the cell shaded look wow. for everything. <laughs> they're simplistic, but they're a lot more complicated than what Pokemon has. Oh, well, yeah. True, true. <laughs> you got me there. Pokemon looks pretty flat. <laughs> yeah. Go look at one of the trees in Jubilee Village and see how all of the branches are literally just cross sections of different planes of textures. <laughs> I love how we keep talking about trees and Pokemon. I know, it's but just... it's the easiest thing to see. Like the trees don't <laughs> look like mud this time. I, I mean, you go look at the trees in Arceus and in Sword and Shield and they look better in Arceus, but they are definitely like 
we just stuck up textures in random 3D orientations. Well, <laughs> that's because Arceus looks like a Wii game and yes. Sword and Shield looks like an N64 game. <laughs> that one, yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, because you said that, I'm like, yeah, a lot of the ground textures in Arceus feel like the ground textures in Twilight Princess on the Wii. Yeah. Like a lot it, of it, it is feels muddy. like the same kind of textures as in like Monster Hunter Try, just up a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the graphics are my biggest complaint for the game, period. Like, the very first day that I spent playing the game, I just couldn't get over how, like, the world, a lot of the textures on the ground just looked like mud and the grass didn't look super great and stuff. And I just had to be like, stop paying attention to that kind of stuff or you're never going to enjoy this game. (laughs) But that's kind of the problem with me going from building my own PC with a 3080 graphics card (laughs) going down to the, the Switch from a studio that's known to not really do awesome quality graphics so that's on me anyway yeah it'd be nice to have i don't know a new gen looking pokemon game but hey this is their first time looking like a wii game that's been up res to hd (laughs) so hey and literally four or five years ago game freak didn't even want to develop anything for the switch they thought the switch was gonna fail (laughs) which is insane (laughs) so we're moving up guys hooray Um, Where were they developed for? Just get to do the 3DS? Yeah, they wanted to put <laughs> Sword and Shield plan? on the 3DS. <laughs> Literally, uh, I think it was Masuda, you know, the president of the Pokemon company or whatever. I, I, maybe it's not Masuda, but... They literally came out in an interview and said, we don't think the Switch is going to do too well. We're going to stick to the 3DS. So you're saying the Sword and Shield we got wasn't even the worst iteration that was possible. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I have low expectations for Game Freak. <laughs> well, did you see the leaked demo for Sword and Shield? Uh-uh. Like the date on it was a year before the game released and it was literally just pulling 3DS assets and was not oh, great. No. <laughs> so they really scrambled oh, to put that thing on they, the Switch. They really, they really messed up the development on that game. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we'll talk a little bit later about Gen 9, but I'm really hoping that this is a good signs to come for Gen 9. I, same here. Um, wrapping up a couple of other things on the graphics I've noticed. Don't play this game on a 2K monitor unless it has any kind of smart upscaling. Um, it does not do the game justice. Play the game on a device that can handle 1080p natively, like that's the native resolution. Or if you don't have a 1080p device and you have a 4K TV, play it on the 4K TV in like game mode or something. Because the game does, did not look great on my monitor. No matter what settings I tried to put it on, it just it didn't look great at all. I've actually been running it on 2K this whole time. (laughs) I haven't (laughs) noticed anything. Maybe actually I'm going to bring up some weird graphical things. Maybe it's because I am on the 2K monitor. (laughs) Um, When I went into like a dark cave or whatever, it had like these weird like white pixels around every object. Like it was like a bad Photoshop or whatever. So like, you know, when like someone takes like a Photoshop of like some image and then they just like throw it in and they just quickly like scribble around it to try and like cut things out. And it has like all that. I don't, I don't, I don't do Photoshop, so I don't, I don't know yeah, what it's called, yeah. but like, like they're trying to cut it out, but they don't quite get all the background. Yeah. I had that around every single object in the cave. I haven't really noticed that. So I don't know. That might be your monitor. <laughs> and then I was in the water and I tried catching some Gyaradoses and I swam up to the Pokeball and looked down at the Pokeball and it looked like, a JPEG that has been through like 20 compressions. <laughs> Weird. It was really pixely. It was it was an interesting artistic uh, choice. Let me say <laughs> next time you see that you should record 
it with your uh, your home button with the sh- with your yeah. share or whatever share button so that we can, act, so I, can uh, see it. I mean it's easy to replicate i just need to go in a cave or in the water <laughs> yes <laughs> but yeah any, anyway um one other thing about the graphics here is like there's absolutely no anti-aliasing in the game at all which shouldn't surprise you from a lot of nintendo games they don't really do that but it's really clear when you're playing it on your 4k tv and you get close to your screen you're just like wait a minute every i can see every single line and there's nothing that tries to smooth out that angle <laughs> so uh if that's your kind of thing that there's none of that there and yeah we already talked about the frame rate you know lock 30 and all that kind of stuff so the game looks fine way better than any of the marketing stuff but i just i hope it means that we're getting even better looking pokemon games in the future yeah it um honestly it's not as good looking as the let's go games surprisingly no. But it's a lot better than I expect. It's also it also has a lot more to like render and stuff than the Let's Go. The Let's yes. Go is a pretty small area. Like they they definitely took advantage of not having to do a lot on that game. Right. <laughs> the lighting looks really great. Pokemon and battles look great in Let's Go. And they look totally fine in Arceus. But it's, it's definitely that whole we have a much more complicated area with more things we have to render in that, you know, they had to pull back on. And I've told this to a lot of my friends, but I think that if they had an extra six months potentially to just focus on visual improvements and potentially some of the physics mechanics of the game, that this game would look phenomenal, like way better than pretty much anything. But, you know, Game Freak has their ridiculous schedule and I am still really pleased with what we got. I mean, pretty much every video game could use six more months in development, in my opinion, but whatever. Yeah, but but. but. Game Freak games could really use six months. Game Freak <laughs> could use six months to get to the point where every game could use six months. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, so that's kind of our, our little thoughts on graphics there. Jordan, what do you think of the story of the game? Uh, so it's still a Pokemon game, so it's not like anything special. But I still feel I, I think it might be one of the better mainline stories in a Pokemon game. Um, I don't know. I'm actually reading things, so that's one thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're not just that's skipping dialogue for and forgetting where yeah. to go next. <laughs> and then th- th- there's been like a few like story beats that I don't expect out of Pokemon or whatever. Yeah. I, d- I don't know if you played through the coast story. I did. I, I um, finished that one. I thought it was kind of cute. Yeah. Like it's not like super special. It's not super deep. It's it's clearly still made for children, but but it was more than you know you could get. And the story actually makes it seem like you have more of an impact on the world. One of my biggest complaints with Sword and Shield's story, and I know we've talked a lot about Sword and Shield, is that, yes, you are the champion in Sword and Shield, but like during the big climactic part where supposedly all of the Pokemon across the region are going Gigantamax because Eternatus is rising to power, we don't see any of that, and you don't help except going to get Zacian and Zamazenta, and then catching Eternatus. You know, like, it just didn't feel like many of the things you did in Sword and Shield had any weight on what was actually happening in the world. But Nothing in this game, earned. you do because you're pushing forward the advancement of the Pokemon society and exploring yeah. the region. This game also feels more character focused with the side characters yeah. than most other Pokemon games. Absolutely. Like, they're not super deep characters, but they have personalities. Yeah. This time, especially the leaders <laughs> of the clans, like you see them everywhere and it's nice. And they have like conflict with other characters. That's like actual conflict and doesn't seem like completely ridiculous like previous pokemon games yeah i definitely think it's an improvement it's nothing special 
And I think in our, in our notes, I said it was the best mainline Pokemon game <laughs> story. But uh, Unova, Unova still might be better. Um, I, I I'm still like I still have a lot of nostalgia for Gen three, even though that one's absolutely ridiculous and makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that as well. But I don't know. I think Game Freak is capable of really good writing. I just think that again, their development schedules makes it really hard to do anything beyond a standard story. So the story in Arceus is honestly really just fine, and I quite enjoy it. But makes me hopeful for the potential of Pokemon as a storytelling medium in the future. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think this is going to be as good as like I like I said, I don't have high expectations for Game Freak. They're going to go back to the classic style. Hey, uh, nonsensical stories in Gen 9. Maybe the success of this game will push them in the direction to finally hire another 200 employees to really become a triple A studio so that they can finally start focusing on making better games. <laughs> Well, they're in the Nintendo building now, so maybe Nintendo can just help them out a bit more. Yeah, maybe that's why they were able to actually finish the game. They actually could meet with people on the Zelda team (laughs) in person. Anyway, so yeah, I guess that's kind of our story discussion there. Um, Talking about the next thing on our list, which is sound. Do you like the music in the game, Jordan? I do. Um, it finally hit me like when I got to the point where Eternal Forest was playing. Yeah. Like the new rendition of Eternal Forest is really nice. It's so good. And Sinnoh, like we said in like the, the Diamond and Pearl uh, review earlier, uh, a few episodes ago, Gen 4 is one of the best soundtracks in the Pokemon series. Mm-hmm. And they mix, they did a remix of a bunch of the like solid hits from that, from that generation. Yeah. It, it's so good. And um, one of my favorite things about the game beyond the Eterna Forest is that as you progress throughout the story, the Jubilife Village theme gets more layers added to it, more instruments and even the melody. Because at first I was like, why is it just playing the same several notes over and over again? It's kind of catchy and it gets really stuck in your head. But I was like, there's got to be more to this. And then after I think the second area finished, all of a sudden I could actually hear the Jubilife City theme as the melody and i was like oh they're doing a Terrytown thing with this soundtrack as you progress <laughs> you get more and more and it it made me really happy to hear that uh but my absolute favorite song so far in the game is the midnight theme so good yeah so I, good. i'm still partial to the eternal forest though oh that one's it's phenomenal i'm, I'm not trying to downplay that one it's just the midnight theme <laughs> is just better in my opinion <laughs> but um, I, I do wish they would update the Pokemon cries. It feels really outdated now. I would really like us to move towards like the Pokemon Origins cries where they are more monster sounding rather than just random sound bites from a GBA. I, I do agree with that. I think that there's room to improve on that, um, though. I will say that this game added more variations of Pokemon cries, which they did in at least Gen 6 where at least in Pokemon MA and Pokemon Refresh or whatever it's called, you know, the Pokemon make slightly different sounds depending on if they're happy or not when you pet them. And this one has way more of those types of sounds. So they've at least expanded the amount of noises that Pokemon can make. But it would be really interesting if they just overhauled the whole cry system. Though you might also get some flack and... um, backlash from the Pokemon fan base that are super used to the old cries, you know, they've carried on for so long. So I don't know, it's a hard position. So what would you say your final verdict is? Oh, man. Well, I haven't finished the game, so I can't say this is my final score yet. 
But right. So I guess uh, your final first impressions verdict, my final first impressions <laughs> verdict score. OK, because that's not a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, based on what I've played so far and what we've talked about, I would give this game a nine. Um, there's so much fun to be found in this game. The visuals are the only thing that really yoink it back for me. But honestly, this is the most fun I've had playing Pokemon since I was a kid playing through um, Sapphire version and Emerald version. Like, I feel like I'm learning more about the Pokemon that I'm traveling with. I'm enjoying seeing this new take on this region. The way that the story is presented is just really fun and interesting. And of course, the uh, collector in me is really excited about the possibilities of collecting shinies and uh, optimizing my teams and all of this other fun stuff. And I I just think that it's an absolutely phenomenal game. It's not perfect. It's not Metroid Dread, (laughs) but uh, it, it definitely is high up there in my mind. So and that's a nine out of 10 for me. So I was really surprised by this game Um, going into it. I was completely expecting it for I didn't even like see any reviews or like the whole Internet uh, going crazy that the game was actually good. I like as soon as I turned on the game, I was still expecting the game to just be a complete garbage fire. (laughs) So it it hit me hard that it was actually a pretty fun and interesting game. Well, it didn't hit me immediately. The tutorial is pretty awful. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But once it finally lets you go and do your to your own devices it's it's really fun it's to the point where it's like all i'm thinking about all day i just want to get back to playing the game even in this podcast it's like man i really wish i was just playing pokemon right now um (laughs) yeah sorry we've been talking for over an hour about this (laughs) (laughs) oh it's fine it's good to also get like my thoughts out uh i'm generally a pretty hard critic i'd say this is an 8.5 for me so far it could go down to an eight we'll see how like repetitive things get once I get to the end um, or it could go to a nine if like the ending is pretty stellar. But so like because I'm older, it's not like the most fun I've ever had playing a Pokemon game. When I was young, it was there were some really high moments for Pokemon, but that was because I was younger, not because like the games are better. Yeah, I think going forward, this is probably going to be my favorite Pokemon game going if it just continues this way. Mm-hmm. Like it's my favorite Pokemon game so far, um, which is saying a lot because I value Gen 3 very highly. <laughs> if anyone knows me, they know I, I, I play through Gen 3 like a couple times a year. Um, I, I really enjoy it. It's really good. We'll, we'll see when I finally finish it. I've heard from some people it gets really repetitive at the end. But I've already dumped in like, what, 30, 40 hours. So if the last 20 hours are repetitive and I just drop it, then, hey, I got a 30, 40 hour experience of like good content and that's fine. That's great. So, I mean, you've heard it from us, folks. It's a good game. And I think it surprised most of the Internet and most of the fandom that it was actually really good. I I think that's a good sign. And like everyone is oddly in agreement of it. Yeah. Like usually everyone's at each other's throats, especially when it comes to Pokemon, because you got like the diehards who will defend anything, even if like game freak were to do something absolutely terrible, like cut (laughs) half the Pokemon out of the Pokedex arbitrarily. (laughs) Right. And then you got a bunch of people who seem like they just always hate Pokemon. And then those two sides are just always like at each other's throats. And then everyone else in the center are just being like, ah, the Pokemon's kind of not doing too hot right now. Like you either like it or you don't, but no one's like really like hot on it at the moment. And everyone's just kind of like, yeah, this game's good. Yep. It, it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's kind of like a new uh, breath of fresh air. Now, some people are saying that they like more fresh air, but it's a lot more than anyone was expecting. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And it's crazy how just in agreement everyone is right now. It's really exciting. Makes me hope that Game Freak doesn't mess up how it's going to go in the future. Going into the future. So last episode, I believe we did our 2022 predictions. Yeah. And in, a, in that episode, we predicted that Let's Go was coming this year. I'm going to make a new prediction. Let's Go is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I sure hope so. It wouldn't put I wouldn't put Game Freak past not do, her oh, doing Let's man. Go. Can you imagine <laughs> just like the outrage on the internet if we get let's go to now where it's kind of the same catching mechanic but now you have to go through all these menus and whatever and use motion controls and everything grinds to halt no let's go to just get absolutely slaughtered by this game like this this completely invalidates any let's go games going forward yep i agree with that and i really hope that it's a sign that visits to past generations are going to follow this kind of a formula where it's either taking place in the ancient past or in a different timeline. Then they're just telling a different story and showing the region in a new way. I think that that's honestly, I just hope the mainline games go this direction. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I think a lot of the mechanics should continue forward from this game, but I hope that, you know, more than anything that visits to past generations follow this, if anything, like if the new games don't (laughs) continue this, that at least the revisits do. So I am now changing my 2022 prediction. Uh, the November title is going to be RCS DLC. Yeah, I could. see I don't that. think it's going to be Let's Go 2. I think I think it's going to be RCS DLC. It'll be another sub area, like a sixth one or whatever. Um, I haven't beaten the game, but I would be surprised if we got like Shaman or Dark Rye or whatever in this game. So they could easily save those for DLC. But Maybe someone, <laughs> obviously other people have already played through the game and they're probably screaming at their screens like, <laughs> oh, this idiot doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I don't know if Darkrai or Shaman in this game. I, I but at, this, at this moment, I'd be surprised if they are. Yeah, and they could also add new legendaries. I mean, they've added yeah. one new legendary already. They could add more um, or introduce any of the other legendaries in the entire series if they wanted to. Um, they could. Um and yeah, I think there's a lot of potential for for DLC for this game, especially since they still have to add an update to let us pull the Pokemon out and put them in home um, so that we can eventually keep them in our collections going forward since there's none of that currently. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that that is a very <laughs> good point that we will probably get DLC for November rather than a whole new game. So um, kind of moving on here, though, I do want to kind of talk about generation nine you know we talked that maybe it's coming out this year though it likely isn't and it's next year's big release for pokemon i think that this game has a lot of things that could push forward into the next generation we've kind of talked a lot about it um the first thing that you know comes to mind for me is catching um (laughs) catching better be fast and fluid like it is in this game forevermore I do not want to have to enter a third dimension <laughs> to go get a Pokemon in the wild anymore. Yeah. And it's nice seeing this evolution where uh, we in Sword and Shield were finally free from the wild grass. I guess technically it was Let's Go that did that first. But yeah, um, Let's Go made it seem a little bit less natural than Sword and Shield. And now it's just Pokemon are everywhere. Yeah. And it's and great. It's a lot better. You, you just get better control of what you go for and like what your experience is going to be. And you can see shinies in the overworld, which they had in Let's Go. And then they got rid of for Sword and Shield for some reason. And now that it's back, it's like, yes, it's awesome. It's nice to have a visual indicator that, yes, you have a shiny. And the f- crazy thing is about Sword and Shield that 
the Pokemon that you can see in the overworld, their shininess is determined as soon as they spawn into the overworld. So a Pokemon that you see might be shiny, but if you never run into it, you'll never know. So who knows how many shinies we actually all ran from to playing through Sword and Shield. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I definitely want the open world to come back. Yes. I want things to be more open. Obviously, we need more than just one city. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have multiple cities. You could still have things be zoned, right? So that you still have like a linear progression through the game. Right. But like some of the routes are more connected wide areas or something. Yeah, but don't make it like routes. Yeah. <laughs> make it make it like a map. Like <laughs> Yeah, I agree. With that. You could have like walkways or something that are supposed to be the routes, but let me just go off and do my own thing. Right. It makes the world just feel more natural and like the Pokemon are actually living in a world. And well and the Pokemon and the people. So I I, do, I agree with that. Um battle system. Um talking about battles, we've talked about it a lot, but just kind of as a recap. There are a lot of great things that Arceus has done to the battle system that's made it really fun and snappy, especially the new um, status conditions of um, Frostbite and potentially this Drowsy. They're really great, but I'd like to see a lot of the original system. (laughs) So, yeah, especially abilities and items. Uh, Do you think they should keep the new like speed mechanic? No, no. I think it's really fun and maybe they should keep it for wild Pokemon since you know, wild Pokemon aren't like dignified when it comes to the ancient art of Pokemon battling against trainers. But at the very least, Pokemon trainer battles should follow the old formula, because if you're fighting yeah. a gym battle, it should be about strategy more than it is about, oh, man, do I need to use an agile so that I can maybe go two turns in a row? That that's It'd be thought. interesting if like in a league fight, you have to follow like rules or whatever, and then it's just like turn based. But in like more rugged fights even if you're fighting like the equivalent of team rocket or whatever it goes off of speed or whatever oh, sometimes so cool. team rockets will grunts will have like five on one um personally i was thinking about this earlier i would like to maybe see like a handling stat added to the trainer so like <laughs> uh right now as you progress through games in pokemon it increases the level cap of like what pokemon will obey you what i think would be more interesting is you get rid of the level cap and instead you just have like a handling stat that increases and you can have like one Pokemon out and like the higher level that is, it eats up um, your handling stat. But then you can like throw an a, additional Pokemon up to all the way up to your six. But the higher level they are, the more they eat out of that handling stat and the less likely your team's going to obey you. I think that'd be pretty sweet. That'd be really cool. Huh. Hmm. Lots of interesting directions that they could take the battle system to modernize it and shake it up even more than they have in this game. Hmm. Uh, I definitely want to see a lot more trainers. Yes. <laughs> trainer fights are my favorite part of pokemon and it's a huge bummer that no one has more than one pokemon let me have trainer fights where the trainers all have six pokemon please (laughs) and are competitively bred with evs and (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i mean that that was one of the most fun things about brilliant diamond shining pearl and honestly one of my biggest highlights was the elite four were actually challenging because they used competitive strategies (laughs) i'd love to see more trainers than just ace trainers that actually have an idea of how their Pokemon actually works rather than just like a random move or something. So that'd be cool. Other than that, I can't really think of anything beyond what we've really talked about for a generation nine. I think the new region's probably going to have some sort of crazy mechanic. (laughs) Ever since gen six, we've had some crazy new mechanic. (laughs) Can I just say one of the things that I really like about Arceus is that there is no crazy mechanic added in. What are you talking about? Catching Pokemon is the crazy mechanic. Okay, and but it's not Pokemon. like it's not like something useless like a Z move. <laughs> no, I know, I know. 
Dynamax. I like completely forgot like what <laughs> what Sword and Shields was there for a moment. <laughs> yep, Dynamax and Gigantamax. Mega Evolutions were neat, um, but I man, Z moves were useless. They were. Z moves were the worst thing added to Pokemon. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish that they continued Megas. Um, just because I think that they're a great way to rebalance some Pokemon that are never used. Well, the problem was they didn't rebalance anything, right? They just gave it to the popular Pokemon right. like Garchomp and Scizor, who didn't need it at all. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Pokemon like Pinsir or Beedrill got it, and that was really neat. But the ones that like Pinsir and Beedrill got were nowhere near as good as like Scizor or <laughs> Garchomp, <laughs> yeah. who didn't need it. Right. Or Rayquaza, the bane of Rayquaza, <laughs> competitive's oh existence. <laughs> Oh, no. The primals. The primals were a mistake. Yes, they were. (laughs) They were cool from a lore and story standpoint because it was like, oh, this is how they actually had enough power to create land and water. But anyway, we're we're (laughs) we're delving a little too far into that. But anyway, um, I don't know there's not much else I can really think of when it comes to generation nine. I will say Arceus has moved me from like dreading Gen 9's uh, coming out to be to morbidly curious <laughs> more than that even i'm actually kind of like interested now yeah. in what they're going to do with gen 9 if it's closer to sword and shield than it is to arceus though man that's going to feel bad oh yeah and i think the <laughs> whole fandom will feel bad about that unfortunately for game freak i think they opened pandora's box with arceus where expectations have now been raised yeah absolutely there's so much to to do and so <laughs> And I just hope that it only goes up from here rather than just dropping down like they just dropped the ball. It's making me scared (laughs) for what's going to happen (laughs) next. Like, yes, I am super excited to see what they end up doing. I'm I am very curious and very interested to see what they're going to do. But I'm terrified that they're just going to screw it up. I mean, it's very rare for them to not screw it up anymore. Like when did Sun Moon come out five years ago? Something like that. Were they the were they the 2017 releases? Sixteen. Were they 16? 2017 was the Switch. That's right. Yeah. Wow. It's been a while. (laughs) And Sword and Shield are 2019. So it's been, this will be year three since Gen Gen 8. Four years if it's next year. So since this is year three, this is usually the time when Gen 9 would come out. What if Gen 9 is not for another three years? I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's possible. It would have to depend on the rest of the machinery and devices that is the pokemon company international and all of their various uh venues for revenue because i think the anime is now moving into the like arceus lore they, so. well they basically are just doing a little runoff series on a different platform oh. so it, it's okay. not even like really canon it's more like what if ash was in this universe <laughs> I think because before we would like we could predict that a new generation was coming because of the anime was coming to a close. But it's much harder now because the anime, which I have been watching, if you listen to last episode, I said I hadn't been watching it. But actually, after recording the last episode, I have been watching it. And it's much more about like exploring the Pokemon worlds and regions like one episode. They're in Kanto. And then the next episode, they're like, hey, let's go to Hoenn. You know, they're, they're traveling all the time. And so it's hard to know if there's going to be an end because. They followed the Sword and Shield story, but that was like in the first season. <laughs> so it's like, OK, there are a lot more episodes that have come out since then. Where is it going to go? So it is hard to say. It feels like they made this game really quick. Do we know how long it was in development before Sword and Shield? I, I don't think we do. I'm wondering now if like Gen 9 might not come out for like another three or four years. And in between that, we just get like uh, Legends Unova because they could just reuse this engine and 
make a new map for Inova, right? They totally could. I, yeah, I've only heard um, speculation about how long Legends was in development. There's there's no really way to there's no real way to know unless we get something else. Anyway, going off on that tangent there, uh, I was just taking a quick. Well, look. bringing back into that tangent, though, uh, will Legends be its own series or is it just going to be kind of incorporated into Gen 9 and there will be like no identity between Legends and the future generations well i think masada said that let's go was going to be a series but now that we've had legends (laughs) i think that legends is the better choice because it is definitely more uh, financially successful and has way more praise so i hope that it does i i could see it being one that's way more successful (laughs) i think that there's enough lore in the pokemon series that we could continue to do these ancient times across many different regions and it would work really well I think you could do it for most of the regions. It would be pretty weird to do it for Alola. Um, yeah, Alola would be tricky. Uh, Kanto would be difficult because there's really no legend to base off of Mewtwo. Is supposed to be from the future, or a, like more futuristic approach for. I guess they could do Legends Mew. Yeah, they could do that. I think Johto is a really great candidate because it's got a lot of really interesting lore, and Celebi's already a time traveling Pokemon. Yeah, the problem with Johto is it's really similar aesthetically to what we have right now in RCS. True. As a region. Though if they do Johto, they might combine the Johto and Kanto regions because if I recall, they were that, actually that one do. region before a war. Yeah, that that could definitely be the way to go. Um, I think the most interesting one would be Kalos. Kalos would be phenomenal. I'd love to see. It would probably be about the uh, the ancient weapon. Yeah. And uh, oh, that type that's of one way to do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do it on the Great War. Which would be interesting from a narrative perspective. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that might be a bit too dark for where Pokemon I mean, goes, I still but. think that Kalos has the potentially one of the prettiest regions in the entire game or the entire series. And I think the X and Y were really well executed for being the first DS games. But I think that Kalos would just look so much better if the world was bigger for them. Um, Unova would also be a really great candidate for a Let's Go game uh, or not Let's Go, excuse me, <laughs> Legends game. Because we have the dragon's lore, which is so cool. We haven't even seen uh, Kyurem's full form, where he was originally fused with both uh, Reshiram and Zekrom. So we've only seen him. They also talk about like the old days of Unova, where Pokemon did attack like their cities. They had to build giant walls to keep Pokemon out. Yeah. So Unova, Kalos, those are the two I'm most interested in. I could see Johto and Kanto uh, being in one. Hoenn might be a bit difficult. It would have to be around like the creation trio again. But uh, Hoenn also has the benefit of the lore of the people in Pacificalog Town that are actually descended from a tribe that was like um, much more about like the mysticism of Pokemon and stuff like that. Like I, I'm just imagining it now: uh, Legends, Rayquaza, and you start in P- Pacificalog Town, and everything is water. <laughs> And then we could really say 7.8 out of 10, too much water. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. It's the Wind Waker of the Legend series. <laughs> they could do it, though. They could pull it off with a bunch of islands. Like, this would be before Hoenn yeah. is a, ma- a normal landmass actually like came Like, every single... That would actually be a good way to, like, segment things into different zones. Like, each zone is a different island, and then, like, each island... And then, like... This is like maybe maybe instead of Legends Rayquaza, it's Legends Groudon and Groudon is like sinking <laughs> or raising um, all the islands to what becomes Hoenn. That'd be so cool. Like as they're fighting, 
uh, Groudon's actually creating more land so that it's not that one-sided battle like in Emerald where you just see Kyogre and Groudon on that one tiny yeah. little island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Hoenn could actually be interesting. So I guess I guess Alolo is just the one that's like, I don't know what they would do because that one's so focused on Ultra Beasts and Ultra Beasts are so weird for like a back-in-time sort of right. thing. Right, and... I mean, Solgaleo and Lunala are Ultra Beasts. They come from another dimension. Yeah. So it's, I mean, we do have a lot of cool ancient ruins in that region. You know, you have the Altar of Sun and Altar of Moon. You also have that crazy big like amphitheater place that you don't really explore at all in the game. It's just there. And in Ultra Sun, you do like go through the rift and you're in the mirror version of Alola and you go there and Cosmog's there. But like, other than that, you don't know anything about that gigantic ruin. So, I mean, there are a couple of things in Alola that could work if they really wanted to stretch it. But I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, there's there's better candidates. I don't need Alola anytime soon. I'd say my top candidate is my in my in my mind, my order for what I'd like to see come first are Unova's number one. Kalos is number two. Kanto plus Johto is number three. Hoenn's number four. And then Alola, if they have to reuse that one. <laughs> Sword and Shield doesn't make the list time. Huh? Well, Galar, I, no, what they should do is if they're going to do Kalos, they do Kalos plus Galar. Because I don't think so. Kalos, Kalos, like, yes, geographically, they're supposed to be really close to each other, but they have nothing in common to each other. We only know that they have nothing in common because they barely gave us any lore and any story in Sword and Shield. <laughs> I don't know, man. Kalos is so focused on its own like troubles. True. It'd be really weird for it to like mix in with Galar. Interesting thoughts there. Now we now we're going to do a whole episode on Pokemon lore. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, we've been we've been talking for quite a while here now. I just looked at how long we've been recording and it's been super fun and great talking with you, of course. Should we probably wrap things up? Yeah, I think we should wrap things up. <laughs> Again, listener, we could go on for a very long time. We are very passionate about the Pokemon series, and we both know an absurd amount of story and lore <laughs> regarding these games. Um, so I guess if there's a lot of reception for this, you guys want it, we can sit and talk more about Pokemon where we think it could go and potentially more about the games themselves if, you, if you'd really like. But uh, other than that, any final thoughts on Legends Arceus, Jordan? Arceus is good, surprisingly. <laughs> I'm still in disbelief of it all. Yeah, it's crazy. How did they stick the landing? (laughs) I don't know. And I was kind of getting on your side there a little bit towards the end before the game was coming out. I was just like, oh, man, I I don't know if I'm that excited for it. I literally like pre-ordered it the night before it came out. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I should get it. But yeah, no, it's so good. They stuck the landing. The game is actually really fun and it's really good. And as one final reiteration, I... Up to this point in my playthrough, give it a solid 9 out of 10. I think it's great. And Jordan, yours? It was an 8.5. 8.5. So a 9 and an 8.5. That's pretty high. And also not 10s like we've given pretty much every other game we've reviewed other than Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl on this podcast. Oh, we've, so. we've, we've given a few non-10s now. Yeah. <laughs> this is the second one? <laughs> uh, well, Mario Party wasn't too high. Oh, that's right. That's right. But hey, not a 10 out of 10 for, for a game here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Nintendo Fusion podcast. We really appreciate it. As a reminder, our podcast is live pretty much everywhere. And uh, if you're listening to it on a podcast app that has a review system, please leave us a review. Drop us a comment on YouTube. Um, if you're listening to us there, give us a like, all that fun stuff. All Doing all of that really helps uh, drive up some engagement and help the algorithms 
uh, get the show out to other people that might be interested in listening and really helps a lot. Uh, you can find us on pretty much every platform by visiting the website anchor.fm slash Nintendfusion. We promise we'll get a website up eventually for, <laughs> for ourselves here. Um, and also, please come hang out and chat with us on Discord at nintendfusion.com slash Discord. That'll give you a link right to the invite. Anyway, thank you so much for listening again, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks. Bye-bye. See ya.